everybody, and welcome to the Forever Wingman Podcast, the podcast all about life and careers in the U.S. Air Force. This is episode number six. I'm Josh, the host of this show, and today I'm interviewing Air Force Airman First Class Quay Drotty on the photojournalist career field, which is the 3 November 0x5 AFSC. The show notes for this show can be found at foreverwingman.com slash 006, and there you'll find links and other information related to this show. You can also leave comments and questions there or on Facebook. So here's the interview with Airman First Class Drotty on the photojournalist career field. I'll be back after to fill in any of the gaps. Hey everyone, I am pleased to introduce to you Airman First Class Quay Drotty from the Dias Air Force Base Public Affairs Office. Airman Drotty, thank you so much for coming on the show. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing real well. How about yourself? Oh, I'm not doing too bad. I really appreciate you again to just to take out the time to to uh, come on the show and talk to us about the uh, photojournalist uh, career field, um, which is the 3 November 0x5 AFSC. But before we do, I was wondering if you might be able to just take a little bit of time and introduce yourself, uh, maybe start with where you're from and uh, your decision on why you joined the Air Force. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Airman First Class Quay Drotty. I'm from a little town, Lake Butler, Florida, kind of the swampy part, not really the beachy pretty stuff. I grew up <laughs> sticks, rocks, and a whole lot of mosquitoes, but... Yeah. Um, as to why I joined the Air Force, there's a couple answers to that. Originally, when I came in, um, I wanted to be the kind of person that my dad could, you know, shake the hand of and yeah. I could look at him man to man. Absolutely. It, it wasn't until maybe about a week or two before I left that, you know, I just, I, I kind of had to admit to myself that it wasn't just that. I, I really wanted to start a family. I still do. And this is, the best opportunity that I have to provide for the family that I haven't started yet. And every day I'm grateful for the opportunity to, you know, get my life rolling and one day start that family. Wow, man. Those are some pretty honorable reasons for joining, man. Number one, to shake your father's <laughs> hand and then number two, to, to be able to provide for your family. And are you married now? Uh, presently, yes. Nice. Outstanding. Well, congratulations on that. Looks like you're doing pretty good so far. I appreciate it. <laughs> and do you have any uh, family members or anything like that that have served or are serving right now? Uh, my grandfather, Donald Dickinson, he retired from the Army. Uh, he's a Vietnam vet, and I can't thank him enough for what he did. Uh, and my cousin is presently deployed. He's in the uh, Army. I believe I don't want to give him the wrong thing, but I believe he's in the uh, National Guard. He's presently working on his third or fourth month overseas. Oh, wow. I, uh, I'm super proud of him. He's like a brother to me. Yeah, absolutely. So don't forget to send him a care package, man. Oh, definitely. <laughs> now, why did you decide to join the Air Force as opposed to the other branches? Um, in all honesty, yeah, all honesty. <laughs> yeah, uh, originally, I was in Air, um, Army ROTC yeah. in high school, and that was kind of my first pick. So I was starting to go through that process, and I was telling my best friend at the time, uh, Megan, that, uh, you know, hey, I'm thinking of enlisting, I'm starting to look into the Army, and I'm kind of, uh, you know, this, this is something I'm excited about doing. And she all but hit me on the back of the head, and it's like, you're wanting to do military, and you're coming to me, an Air Force brat, and telling me <laughs> you're going in the Army. And she all but, uh, she, she was probably the, uh, the best recruiter that the Air Force missed out on. And how honestly, <laughs> she... Uh, her father is a retired, I want to say either master sergeant, senior. Uh, he was he was pretty up there, and he did quite a few years in, and 
just listening to his stories and his experience in the Air Force, uh, I, I went straight from the Army recruiter's office. I walked out and was like, sorry, guys. Walked right past the Navy and yeah. straight in, and uh, all the rest is history. Nice. <laughs> Outstanding. You know what? I, there's there's one thing that I, that I try and um, tell younger people who are thinking about coming in is that it is – I'm a huge advocate for – um, for taking the influence of other people around you, but uh, only to the point of where you're still making your own decisions, right? Because it's still your decision to join or not, but you still want to be able to take the the input of those who you know have more experience or might have a different um, a different path of thinking than you, right? Oh, absolutely. Whenever she was talking to me about the Air Force, I was still looking into my possibilities. Um, I was originally you know, looking into the army, but as she was talking to me, I'm not going to deny the fact that I did start going into the Navy and talking to them because, you know, the whole nuclear aspect of it. And, you know, she was talking to me and we had quite a few conversations about which branch I should go with. And, uh, by the end of it, she was like, Quay, you know, I love you. No, I respect you. And if you decide to go Navy, that's all you, man. It's great branch. Army's a great branch. The Marines, absolutely, they all do excellent work. But I'm a military brat. I'm in the Air Force. Like, my dad was in the Air Force. You know I'm going to recommend that. Yeah. And I just had a really good experience with my Air Force recruiter and wound up making my choice. Outstanding, man. That's great. Okay, so one last question uh, before we jump into the career field is, so whenever you were talking to your recruiter, did you come in uh, guaranteed the job or did you were you uh, more um, uh, open uh, open contract. Well, here's where it, uh, here's where it kind <laughs> of, um, I, I really lucked out with this job. Yes. Originally when I was talking to my recruiters, I wanted to do avionics, which is the electrical systems kind of, you know, in aircraft. Mm-hmm. So I had nine slots in my, uh, requesting jobs in avionics, be it in different airframes as well as, uh, in, uh, for helicopter frames. And then I had one slot in open electrical. About two months, give or take, before I was scheduled to leave, my recruiter said, hey, uh, some guy just got uh, medically disqualified over at MEPS for photojournalists. I know you you know, did yearbook in high school. Would that be something you're interested in? And I was like, you know what? Throw my name in the hat. If I get the job, then I'm going to go take pictures and write for a living. And if I don't, I'm still getting the job that I wanted. So either way, it would have been a cool thing for me. And I called him like two weeks later, and he's like, oh, yeah, man, you got – you, you pulled photojournalist. You're leaving uh, like two or three days later than you normally would. I hope that's okay. Oh yeah. But you know what? You know <laughs> I think I'll two take or it, three right? days. I, I don't know, man. Those two or three days. That's pretty big on me. November first <laughs> versus November fourth. That's really do- and of course not. I was super excited about it. That's awesome, man. Um, so you just made a list of uh, basically every flying piece of equipment and and uh, with an emphasis on avionics and. And uh, in the end, you end up getting uh, 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 the photojournalist career field. That's awesome, man. I've I've heard nothing but great things about it. Um, so so going into the career field now, um, tell us a little bit of exactly what a photojournalist is in your own in your own words, and and what does the average day look like? Well, um, quick overview of what the photojournalism career field is about. Um, it's just a, like it sounds: photo. The first part of it, photography, I take pictures. I am in the studio. I've been up in a C-130. I go out to the flight line several times a week. I'm always moving. I'm always taking pictures. But then you get into the journalism aspect, and that's where you 
can really start telling people's stories because you literally are. You're going out and you're writing. You are a journalist. Yeah. Conducting interviews, making phone calls, sending emails, getting to meet, you know, Vietnam veterans that served and how they've learned to deal with their PTSD. Um, then you have retirees who just, you know, I had a really cool experience in the Air Force. This is my story. Yeah. And I get to tell that. And then other times it's just producing information about something new that the med group is doing. I'm always telling some sort of story. And the cool part about being a photojournalist is I can take the visual aspect and tie in the written aspect. So I can tell a full, well-rounded story pretty much all by myself. Wow, that's pretty cool. So the it seems like there might be uh, maybe a misconception, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, that um, I guess people who are thinking about the photojournalist AFSC or photojournalism is is that they just strictly uh, specialize in photos, but it sounds like that it's it goes way deeper than that, that it goes into the writing aspect and also um, acting as a liaison as well um, and, and interviewing people as well, such as like coming on this show, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, that That is a bit of a misconception. Whenever I say photojournalist, people kind of look at me like I have a, you know, a second or maybe even third head. Yeah. Uh, about four or five, maybe six years ago, forgive me for the general time frame, but um, we had uh, photography and we had journalism. And they just, uh, the, the two kind of went hand in hand more often than not, because photographers had to take down caption information so that they could you know, explain what was going on in their photos. And every story that was written by a journalist always had two or three photos from one of the photographers. So they just, you know, in the greatness of the Air Force decided, you know, if these guys are working this closely together, we may as well merge them together and let them do the whole thing. Yeah, makes sense. On top of the photography and the writing, I am also uh, public affairs. I am the liaison between the Air Force and the general public. So uh, when individuals such as, you know, yourself are off base media and they want to know something about what's happening on base, be it, uh, redeployment or, um, even just learning like you about different career fields. I am the point of contact, the first voice you hear and the, uh, liaison between you and the base. So I take pictures, I write, I'm a liaison, I'm an escort when it comes to, uh, tours uh this career field does so much with people and stories and honestly it's probably one of the cooler jobs yeah absolutely i've i've always kind of looked at you guys from uh uh from envious eyes for sure so when i was in the command post um we would get the notifications to also uh uh call the uh, alert photographer as well um, mm-hmm. and so I, I assume that, that you would probably fulfill those duties as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and what, ex- what exactly does that look like? So alert photography has a very broad spectrum of what we cover. Um, it's anything from aircraft incidents, uh, such as somebody, um, the landing gear didn't deploy correctly. This is a very extreme case, mind you, if the yeah. landing gear doesn't deploy correctly and an aircraft winds up running down the flight line. Uh, we would be responsible for taking photos there. Or if um, a crane were to have some sort of malfunction in its hydraulic system and drop something and smacks the wing and there's a huge long dent or cracks in the uh, frame, 
we would go in and we would document that to, Got it. you know, kind of let people know. Um, but it's not just related to the aircraft. It's also for uh, alerts, kind of one of the negative aspects, but it's not just for aircraft. It's also for damage to government properties. So yeah. if someone goes out and God forbid, uh, spray paints, something inappropriate on um, one of the houses on base. If it hits a certain criteria, we go out, we document that, and we pass it along. If there's um, somebody totals a GOV, which is a government vehicle, mm-hmm. we go out and we document that. And then there's, of course, the instances of things like, um, like uh, domestic violence or um, worst case, well, one of the worst cases, um, suicide of a military member. Yeah, I understand completely. Well, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate yeah. that because that's been pretty much my my largest exposure to the photojournalist photo career field within uh, from my experience um, is, or is usually in those those negative times, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. So, what about a uh, tech school? Uh, what, what exactly does that look like? And, and what what a new airman? What would they expect in tech school? And what does it look like? For them. Okay. Um, do you want my experience or the overall experience? Because I can give one or the other or both. Let, let's dabble in both. All right. So my experience, uh, it's in Fort Meade, Maryland at the Defense Information School. It's where we train all of the uh, photographers, broadcasters, journalists for DOD. So Marines, Navy, Coast Guard, Army, Air Force, as well as DOD civilians. They all get sent to the Defense Information School. So up there, Maryland is a beautiful place. Yeah, and absolutely. in my experience, it was the first time that I had ever actually seen snow fall out of the sky. So <laughs> That's right, you're from Florida. <laughs> being, a, being a Florida boy, I spent 19 years never seeing snow that wasn't made by a machine. And all of a sudden, <laughs> there's these small things falling out of the sky, and it's snowing. And so I'm super excited and I'm talking about it with one of my MTLs, which is the, one of the, the kind of, yeah, the military training leaders. Of, um, yeah. It's like the MTI of your tech school. Mm-hmm. They kind of supervise. And I was super excited. And I was talking to her. I was like, yes, man, this is the first time I've ever seen it snow. And she's like, oh, really? Then I have the best job for oh, you. Oh, no. <laughs> and she took me down, uh, grabbed a couple other airmen and, uh, it was the first time I'd ever seen it snow. And the first time I had ever shoveled snow. <laughs> So my experience overall, tech school was, tech school was interesting. I made quite a few friends. It was very stressful because it's a lot of years of photography and journalism condensed down into not a lot of months. And you learn a lot, you deal with a lot, and it's, it is an experience unlike no other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a transition between basic training and the normal uh, Air Force, right? Uh, that kind of kind of ease you in nice and gently, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, yeah, so to speak. So what about the uh, uh, upgrade training? So after you finish tech school, what does uh, the upgrade training look like? Oh, man. Uh, when I first got on station, I took everything that I learned in Dinfos, sat down, tried my hardest, and learned very quickly that... Uh, while what I learned in Dinfos was very helpful, it was like um, being given the tools, but not necessarily knowing what it's like to 
work in the active Air Force. And that's that's true across many tech schools, if not all. Yeah. They give you the tools. They let you know this is how to do your job. And when you get to your first station, that's where you actually learn how to do it. Yes, absolutely. So when I first got here, I was babe in the woods, eyes wide, no idea what's going on. Everyone's moving quickly. Turns out an air show had just ended, so everything oh, wow. seemed like, oh my God, it's all going crazy. Everything, everything's on fire. No, it's not. It's a great. Everything, oh my goodness. So my first week or two, I spent answering phones, just going crazy. But I feel like I went off track. It's um, No, so it sounds like school. it's... it's uh just from the transition that, you know, from the tech school to the real air force, it seems like most of it is just kind of on the job training. Right. Um, Oh, definitely. Yeah. So you're given the knowledge. Now you need to go earn the experience. Right. Mm -hmm. And whenever you first get tossed in, you take your lumps, you learn some hard lessons. Like you don't answer the phone with hello. You answer it with (laughs) hello. This is public affairs. This is Chairman Drotty. How can I help you? You know, just, (laughs) Little insignificant things like that that you kind of pick up on. And the first few months were a lot of little mistakes like that and learning. And honestly, I look back at it now and I kind of laugh at myself. You can't help but to because now I know how to do my job. Yeah. Back then, not the foggiest. Yeah. So what about the uh, the CDCs and uh, and earning your five level? Wouldn't, how many CDC volumes do you have? And uh, is it pretty intense or would you say it's a little bit on the light side? Well, um, the public affairs career fields generally have some of the higher number CDCs in the Air Force. We had When I came through, it was seven. Wow. Uh, I believe they just consolidated a couple and now we're down to either six or five. I believe it's six. But when I came through, it was seven CDCs or seven volumes of CDCs, and you had about a month to do each one. Wow. And so long as you uh, you get through this 50, 60-page packet, you answer the, you know, anywhere from 80 to 100 uh, review questions, you take a test on that, you move forward. At the end of your final volume, you take one big end-of-course exam, and lo and behold, pass, five-level fail, slap on the wrist, do better, take it again. Hopefully you got it that time. Yeah. Hopefully by then you got it. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, uh, that's pretty intense. That's a lot of volumes, um, within the command post Mm -hmm. career field. We only had, uh, two, two volumes. It was pretty light for definitely on the, and I probably wouldn't, I would say it's probably one of the easier career fields when it comes to upgrade (laughs) training. So seven volumes is pretty thick. So being with its uh, two career fields of photo and journalism, yeah, uh, it was it was a pretty solid split because you also have to toss in public affairs. So I had one volume that went over nothing but lighting in the studio and another volume that went over um, how to coordinate with off base media. So it's it was a lot of information, but a lot of good information. That's great. So moving on, the. We all know that that the different AFSCs have pros and cons, um, mm-hmm. and so what in your in your personal opinion, what what would you say are some of the pros of the of the career field, and uh, what is it that that you see that people tend to love the most about it? All right, I'll start off with the uh, with the good. Okay, so so pros definitely the people. I can't stress enough the types of 
stories and people you meet and tell. Yeah, I can imagine. I've I've met veterans from Vietnam that just talking to them, hearing what they say, just it'll make you sit down and just stare. You don't know what to say. It's just mind-bogglingly amazing. Wow. What these people have gone through, what they've done, what they've accomplished, what they've seen. It it will truly make you grateful for the veteran that's just sitting there with the two ribbons on his hat, Vietnam vet, old man just sitting there. You have no idea the things that this man may have seen yeah. or done. So in that, I have met some of the coolest people in the world. Another one, again, revolving around people, is that I'm, I came in as an airman basic. I, I was an airman for pretty much, like, E2, for pretty much a year and change. Yeah. And I have worked with um, everyone from other airmen basics on up through uh, four-star generals. Wow. And so you get a lot I've, of exposure. Oh, my goodness. I, I work with officers hand-in-hand hand, super closely all the time. I've Shoot, I've met three or four generals. I've met countless... 06s, 05s, uh, colonels, lieutenant colonels. I, I know a few um, lieutenants so well because we've worked together so closely so many times that, you know, I know what their cats' names are because you just, you just chat with them. It's yeah. just, it, you just meet so many people. You work so closely with them. You hear so many stories, and it's crazy. And on top of that, with the photography portion, and the journalism, I suppose, you get to do crazy stuff that most career fields don't see. Um, for a loadmaster or a crew chief, going up in the B-1 or C-130, you know, that's that's daily. For somebody in finance, that is freaking insane. Yeah. And for somebody like me, I've never been in a C-130, so what the heck? That'd be really cool. And the next thing you know, you're on a slow moving roller coaster for two and a half hours. They open up the back door and you're standing two feet from a 5,000 foot drop, taking photos of a big open Texas. Wow. And then you're back at the desk going through those photos and you're just, you just don't know what to do. It's awesome. Coworkers have been, have worked with a fear seen their water survival training, Mm -hmm. just insane things. So, Definitely so, the biggest pros are the people and the experiences. So it sounds like that um, this job would probably instill a uh, um, a sense of of maturity that that probably a lot of other career fields probably are might be uh, a little bit less of only because of the amount of exposure and who it is that you're coming in contact with. Um, mm-hmm. And and in this in the stories, man, I could I could only imagine the the stories i wish that i think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why i started this is because i I really wanted to hear other people's stories and Mm -hmm. every time that i talk to people like you it is it is you know it is this overwhelming pride to be a part of that community you know what i mean um so i can only imagine to the level that that you experience it at oh definitely it's it you can't help but take in some of the story and just 
remember it. Yeah. Know what I, I remember what Jackie Hinkle did. I remember his stories with, you know, what he went through in his first day in Vietnam, having been boots on the ground for maybe 12 hours and he was already hit. And just hearing that, knowing that this man is 18, 19 years old and my God, you don't, I can't begin to express what it felt like seeing that man and having him hike up his jeans and show me this little chunk missing out of his calves. Like, yeah, I got hit not even 12 hours on ground. I'm like, wow. Wow. I mean, Gerardi, okay. I, I wonder if, um, uh, if we could, uh, if you might be able to send me a link to that, to that, uh, that article or, um, the story that you're referring to, I'd love to be able to share it with other people too. Oh, um, so whenever whenever we get done, I'll oh, yeah. oh, uh, I'll ask for I'll 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 see if you can send me that uh, that interview. But I wonder if you might be able to touch on uh, maybe some of the cons that that come with the career field. Some of the cons, yes. Um, or would you say there are any? Some of the cons is, uh, well, as with anything, there are going to be you know downtimes. Yeah. So for me, a few of the personal cons are the days when there's not a lot happening, it's raining, so there's not really anything going on, and you're just kind of stuck at your computer. Yeah. You can send a few emails, you can try to set things up, but for the most part, you're just there. And other times, you'll get tasked these last-minute shoots, and A, you don't really understand why you're doing it, B, it's not really exciting, you're just kind of like historical doc, uh, historical documentation, a lot of times, very plain, very basic, taking a photo of every single aircraft tail number. Yeah. You spend four hours out on the flight line, it's 112 degrees, <laughs> and you come back red as a lobster. Those days suck. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend otherwise. I spent three days out on the flight line when I first got here doing some of the work that people didn't really want to. Yeah. And then on... Uh, then, of course, there's the ever-present um, alert calls. It's never a good call at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yep, it's I understand. It's never good. Yep. And just, I, I don't know if this is too much, but uh, getting, a, getting a phone call from a coworker who, uh, she, she wasn't on alert, it was my turn, but they had called her by mistake. Yeah. And she was nearly in tears uh, because this man had... Uh, he had committed suicide. Yeah, that's got to be a hard scene. And hearing her and knowing that it was my my job, I just did my best to comfort her. And then I kind of just tried to shut my head off, get my uniform together and go. Good for you. Outstanding. It's they're, Those are the rough days, but I'm willing to face those if it means I get to keep telling people stories. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you sharing those stories, man. Um, so what, what about uh, special duty assignments? Does the, uh, the photojournalist career field, does it have uh, many special duty assignments that you can apply for? I've always wondered if combat camera was a special duty assignment. It is actually, um, combat camera is one of those things where some people, if you go through Dinfos at the right time, you'll be lucky enough to be able to potentially go straight into ComCam right out of tech school. But other times they have enough manning, so it's just you can't go in straight out of tech. So you apply for it. If you know you get to your first duty station, you put in you know a few months, and 
hey, I want to do ComCam. Yeah. You put in, and if you get picked up, you, you're TDY all the time. You're deployed, combat situations, documenting. And it's, I've met a few ComCam guys, and they absolutely love yeah. their job. I can imagine because some of the uh, some of the uh, the best photos that I've seen on the uh, on the Air Force webpage is when I look at the source. It's usually uh, like a combat camera um, mm-hmm. unit of some sort. So they they usually have some pretty sweet images for sure. So maybe can you explain oh, uh, maybe a little bit more exactly what combat camera is? We know it's like taking uh, uh, photos within a combat environment, but it seems like it could be more than that as well. Well, there's also. Um training. Uh, anytime that there may be something happening um, in somewhere that's not commonly, you know, with a photographer, like uh, just the one instance that I've run into them, there was a general flying our aircraft and they needed a few extra hours and they were like, you know what, why not? We'll, we'll take part in this and we'll grab a few photos and they went on their way. But as for a majority of their job, it is it's mostly combat docs. Got they're it. they're up in the air. They're riding with, um, you know, in fighters, things of that nature. They're they are right on top of where the action is. Yeah. Whereas you know, in the average uh, photojournalism, I'm on the same base and I'm taking photos of you know airmen doing their jobs. You know, and the maintainers doing their thing. It's more of, I guess the best way to put it is combat camera and photojournalist. I take photos of people doing their job. They take photos of people doing their job. ComCam takes photos of people doing TACP, jumping out of helicopters, jumping out of planes, dropping bombs. They, they are the ones, either boots on ground or boots on deck, and they're in the air. They are taking photos of their jobs, and I'm taking photos of jobs of maintainers, avionics specialists, mm-hmm. maintenance personnel, uh, medical group. I'm taking photos of the people that support the mission. They're taking photos of the people that execute. Yeah. And we all have our job, and theirs is really cool, but I'd have to say mine is pretty badass, too. <laughs> so what about the uh, the deployment tempo? Um for the uh, just for the uh, the average AFSC, the photojournalist uh, career field, what what does that look like? Is it uh, pretty on tempo with the rest of the Air Force, uh, six um, months at a time, and you know, year and a half to two years off ish? Well, the um, there are quite a few photojournalists, and only a few places. Um, now that we've kind of gone through the Iraq War, we're pretty much done with all of that. Yeah, there's not a lot of call for us to be over there conducting, you know media or photo ops, there's not a lot of call for it. Yeah. So one person per, you know, FOB is, is plenty. So, um, there was a supervisor of mine. He just PCS. Uh, he was in the air force for, I think five years before he saw his first deployment. Wow. So it's pretty light then, especially right now. Right now. Yes. A few years ago, it would have been, pretty on tempo with the rest of the air force, but it's, it's relaxed a lot. Um, most of the instances when they would need a photographer or a videographer, they'll send ComCam. If they need, 
um, journalistic supports or um, average, like public affairs, making sure that everything goes smoothly, documenting what's happening at the base and things of that nature, they'll send one of us. But yeah, the tempo has definitely let up. That's great. Uh, I've been in, I've been in two years and I probably won't see a deployment, knock on wood for another uh, year, two years, maybe even three. Yeah. That's great. That's, but, a, that's, that's definitely a good thing for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> what about I that? Have no problem going. Though. <laughs> what about the jobs on the outside? Um, when people have gone on and uh, separated from the air force, um, what, what jobs on the outside do you think would be good transitional jobs for people within your career field? And, um, and what have other people have gone on to do? Um, I know it may sound a little cheesy, but wedding photography. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, several, several, uh, people that I went to tech school with had their own setups, their own gear, and they would go out and take photos on the weekends of, yeah. you know, just whatever they wanted to. And a lot of times, Family members, friends, they knew that they were a trained photographer, so they'd be like, hey, I'll give you, you know, five, six hundred bucks if you'll take your gear out here and take photos. And they have their own setup and they're allowed, I mean, so long as you're not using the Air Force's equipment and selling, you know, photos that you take with that, it's perfectly fine. It's so it's your wow, knowledge, that's... your experience. So, you know, if you have your, if the Air Force issues you a Nikon D4 and you go out and buy your own and you use your own Nikon D4 to take these photos, you can make as much money as you want. And as soon as you get out, you have your own setup. You can keep taking those photos. You can wow. do whatever you want. I never even would have thought about that to, to actually, but that makes a lot of sense to be able to do that even while you're in. Um, mm-hmm. And, and if you, if you were just planning on doing four to six years or whatever, and then getting out and now you've even, you've got a ton of experience to be able to go out there and, and, um, and do it yourself. That makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be going home shortly. And my mom has already pinged me. It's like, Hey, uh, your dad's friend is renewing his vows with his wife. You think you could take some photos? Ha ha ha. We've got a camera here. And I'm like, you know what? Free cake. And I like the guy. So why not? I'll do it. So this can, this might actually be classified in the pro and the con category, right? Oh yeah. It's like, uh, people knowing that you're in tech support. Basically. <laughs> can you come fix my computer? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's doing this crazy thing. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, this is happening. It's my niece's quinceanera. You think you could, you know, take a couple pictures? Nice. Yeah, well, hey, uh, so next weekend, I'm not doing anything, and I need to get a couple pictures for the website. Do you think you might be able to help me out? Hey, you know what? All of the photos that we take, uh, you're <laughs> more than welcome to use on it. That is, that is actually a thing. Uh, any photo that you see on a military website, uh, there's no royalties on it or anything like that. It's all public use. Yeah, absolutely. So, and and I actually, I'm glad that you said that because um, I, I've actually gotten some emails in from people asking where I'm, where I've got my photos from is on the website, and I'd link directly to the uh, Air Force photos um, uh, uh, inventory on the uh, af.mil slash photos. Um, mm-hmm. Only because of that, because you guys, gosh, man, you do phenomenal work. Your your photos are absolutely amazing, and I've always I always try and and uh, give you guys the shout out on that too, um, because you guys deserve due credit because you put in a lot of work behind that. Matter of fact, I don't think I've a- asked you a question about um, editing. Do you you guys do all your own editing and everything too? Uh, yeah, um, we follow a really strict ethics guideline. So yeah. whenever whatever photo we take, we are only authorized to color correct to the 
correct lighting that we saw at the time the photo was taken. We can't, um, we can't like say, uh, Photoshop out a fire hydrant because we don't like the way it looks. We're not allowed to do that. Uh, when it comes to, you know, Photoshopping five or six extra B ones into this photo because it might make it look cooler. Can't do that. No way. Uh, whenever it comes to cropping people out, there's so many rules, guidelines, regulations. We can remove uh, dust specks that were on our lens, and we can color correct for the correct exposure that we saw at the time. We can't, you know, if it's a middle of the night photo, we can't turn it bright as day. Yeah. You know, obviously, but. If it's, you know, if it's the middle of the day and it comes out just a hair too dark, we can lighten it up just a bit so that it looks a little bit more natural. That's what we're going for. We're going for as close to camera raw as humanly possible. We're not, we, we don't, uh, we don't do anything else. We try to take it, crop in camera. We try to do everything. If we can take a photo and it not go through Photoshop, we're happy. Wow. We don't want to put it in Photoshop because we just, we take pride in our work. We don't want to have to fix it. Yeah. We want to do it right. So what about on the art? I'm sorry, because I don't want to spend too much time on it because I, I actually really, really enjoy photography as well. So what about mm-hmm. on the creative side, uh, such as like a longer exposure or uh, say like an HDR, a high dynamic range or something like that. So are you allowed to take um, artistic liberties or or is it pretty much straight out of the camera, like you said? Anything that we can do with the camera settings. Got it. If we can, if like, uh, personally, I've taken um, 30 second exposures on the flight line in the middle of the night because I wanted to illuminate the B1. So I set my camera down. Aimed it up at the B1, got a good angle. There were people buzzing all around it, doing all sorts of stuff. I hit the shutter, just sat back and let the lights streak all around it. When it came out, it looked pretty freaking cool. That's great. And okay. Yeah, absolutely. Those are perfectly fine. It's just the, you know, adding those light streaks in Photoshop. That's where we hit our issues. Got it. Understand. Okay, I think that pretty much covers all the questions that I had. Um, can you think of anything that that you think that I might be missing, or anything that comes to mind that might be important um, regarding the AFSC for someone who's coming in? Uh, well, I do recommend that anybody that's looking into going into three N O X five or three N O X two, which is the photographer or the broadcaster, you got to be open. You got to be open with people. You got to be willing to go out and talk. You have to have a type of mindset to where you want to. Yeah. You want to go out and you want to meet people. You want to talk. You want to answer the phone. You want to send that email. You want to hop on that plane. You've got to be the kind of person that's willing to double tap your chest and throw your hand up. It's like, take me. Let me do that. I want to try it. I want to tell your story. You're freaking cool. Tell me about that. You have to be an outgoing, funky, happy ready to do it type person. If you really want to be successful in this career field. So if you have all of those and you like taking pictures, we need you. Outstanding. That's, that's some great advice there. Erman Drade, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about the AFSC, but we're coming to the point of the show where I usually ask our guests just to, just to imagine that uh, like a family member, a friend, um, an older, a younger brother or something like that came to you or younger sister came to you and said, Hey, I'm thinking about joining the air force. Um, what take a couple seconds, uh, uh, and, and tell us what, what, what words of advice would you give them? Don't forget your shower shoes. <laughs> no. uh, 
but we have really, to explain that um, one now. <laughs> but really, um, if my little brother were to come to me and say, hey, I'm thinking of enlisting, I would tell him that he should. It's, it's an incredible experience across the board. I have met people. I've learned. I've grown. I've changed. I am within the first six months of enlisting, I was different. I, okay, not just physically, I lost 30 pounds between the time I enlisted <laughs> the time I got to my first base. There's that, of course, but just my mindset changed. You go from I'm Quay to I'm Airman First Class Drotty. Yeah. That is who I am. My job is to tell your story. My job is the military and it it's hard to put into words how much you're going to grow and change absolutely for the better when you come into the air force so it's if you can i would say do it it's a good time you're going to make good friends you're going to make good money and you're going to be happy absolutely if you you know do something you want to do you'll you'll be happy absolutely I, I couldn't agree with you more. That that was some that's really good advice for sure. Airman Drani, hey, I really appreciate you again taking the time out to to talk to us on the show. And um Absolutely. and I know that uh, that your schedule is super busy. So again, thank you so much. Oh, not a problem. Hey, don't forget to head over to the show notes at foreverwingman.com slash 006 because Airman Drotty sent me some photos that he took as well as the video that he helped make on Vietnam veteran Jack Hinkle that he, that he mentioned during the interview. It's an absolutely amazing video and you'll want to check that one out. If you think being a photojournalist is your cup of tea, then here's some general information for you. You'll need at least a 72 general score on the ASBAB. There are roughly 758 people in the AFSC with 461 males and 297 females. That comes out to be about... 61% males and 39% females. Tech school is 60 classroom days at Fort Meade, Maryland. And lastly, you'll earn credits towards a CCAF degree in mass communications. Also, I want to take a few seconds and thank Airman Drotty and the 7th Bomb Wing Public Affairs for helping me out. They're going above and beyond in helping find sharp airman to interview for this show. So thanks, guys. As for everyone else here listening, thank you so much for being a part of Forever Wingman. If it wasn't for you, then this podcast wouldn't even exist. So take care, and I'll catch you on the next episode.